Hi everyone and welcome to Oscar Wilde After Dark, a bonus series where we discuss the wilder side of Oscar nominees and winners. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And today we have a special spooky season Halloween themed episode. We will be talking about the original Exorcist sequels. So we will be diving into Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and The Exorcist 3. But before we do that, we will also spend some time talking about David Gordon Green's latest film, The Exorcist Believer. And we are not alone today. We have a special guest joining us. Cody Derricks is here. He joined us previously for our award season fantasy draft. And Cody is the host of Halloweeners, a horror movie podcast, and also contributes to Next Best Picture. So welcome back, Cody. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here at the most wonderful time of the year. You're the perfect person to have on. What is your relationship with this trilogy? Because I don't know about Sophia, but I hadn't seen, heard of, thought of, like, The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and The Exorcist 3 before this pod, pretty much. So had you seen them before? How does The Exorcist fit into like your horror vibe, your scary movie rotation? I had seen all three of them before. Um, I'm sure Warner Brothers would want to hear your reaction to Exorcist 2, <laughs> that you don't remember it existing based on the reception and legacy of the movie. But anyway, the first Exorcist, big fan. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, I've heard this, what I'm about to say, a lot of horror fans express something similar. The first time I saw it, I was about 14 or 15, and I was... So excited to see it after hearing, you know, it's the scariest movie of all time. People were just, their brains were falling out of their ears in theaters when they watched it. And so when I finally watched it, I was kind of underwhelmed the very first time because it's not a scare a minute movie. It really is about this creeping sense of dread and the reality of evil, even if it's, you know, drenched in metaphor as it is in the movie. And then watching it again as an adult, it's just perfect. It's a perfect machine of fear and tonal balance it is so well established from the very beginning it puts you off immediately and you're just waiting for like things to go absolutely wrong and they do but the sequels uh <laughs> exorcist 2 i remember watching it a few years ago simply because i wanted to watch the third one because i'd heard such good things about it and i felt like i had to watch the second one first even if i learned later you did not and Exorcist 2 Heretic, I wouldn't say it's a good movie. I wouldn't say it's scary. And I wouldn't say it's a good sequel to The Exorcist. I really hated it when I watched it the first time a few years ago. I have some different thoughts on it this time that we can get into a little bit later. But Exorcist 3, I think, is a really impressive sequel to the first movie. I'm kind of skipping over the second one when we talk about The Exorcist 3 as an exorcist film. Um, and you know, It's not even based on a book called The Exorcist, based on a book called Legion. So it really is only connected kind of tenuously through these almost inelegant ties to the first movie, but I think it does thematically come together. And what William Peter Blatty does as a director of The Exorcist 3 is really spectacular. It's only the second movie. And he really does get close to what Friedkin's doing in the first one in terms of tone and just the sense of misery throughout. You know, he smartly doesn't really show a lot of the extremely gruesome kills that you hear about from this serial killer because the movie is basically almost a Silence of the Lambs-esque like murder mystery serial killer mm -hmm. kind of movie and he knows inherently that you don't need to show 
what happened to these bodies to terrify the audience. Just these vivid descriptions is enough. And the few moments of actual horror we get are just perfect. I mean, I don't even have to mention the iconic jump scare in the hospital with the nurse, oh. which is... Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. If you watch any, like series on horror movies or read any article about best jump scares that's gonna be towards the top of the movie with the list and that is reason alone to watch it but the movie that comes before it and after it is also a really expertly made film about sadness in the world and looking evil in the face and still finding some sense of i don't want to say hope because it's a kind of bleak movie but some sort of reason to keep going and doing what you're doing. Yeah, I completely agree on the third one. I had a really good time watching it and found it to be really effective as a sequel to The Exorcist. I also skip over The Heretic because what was that? (laughs) We'll get into it. But I love The Exorcist. I actually had a similar experience, you know, growing up around it and hearing all the lore around, oh, this is the scariest movie and you can watch any other horror movie, Sophia, but you're not allowed to watch this one. It was just the kind of sentiment going on. And I, when I did finally sit down and watch it, I was so scared of it. And I love the slow burn quality of how Friedkin He takes it as seriously as he would a documentary, and you can feel that through the entire film. It's not my favorite horror film. Rosemary's Baby will forever be my my number one, but it's definitely up there, and I think it, it really does hold up. And this year, turning 50, I think, even with some of the visual effects and things that might appear dated to an audience today... I still think it holds up in terms of scares and building that sense of dread throughout the movie that The Exorcist 2 just does not make any sense as a (laughs) follow-up to me. I used to actually live very close by the famous Exorcist steps. And every year around Halloween, my friends and I would watch The Exorcist and then we would, you know, go say hello to the staircase, do a little walk. It was very fun. But... I went to this talk that a Georgetown professor was doing, I remember, talking about The Exorcist and all of the Georgetown history around it, talking about the locations, and he told us that, and I hadn't seen The Exorcist 3 yet at that point, but he said that there was a jump scare in The Exorcist 3 that was possibly scarier than anything in The Exorcist. So I did have that in the back of my mind when I was watching it for this show today, but it's still surprised me and I did scream and it's rare that I do that now I feel like I'm fairly desensitized to some of these sorts of things that happen in horror movies just because I watch so many of them but wow it really really worked for me I love that moment so much it's got to be in my top five scares of all time it just like takes me back to more modern horror like jump scares from slashers like scream or again i have to mention it my favorite texas chainsaw with jessica beale cody hold on we got we gotta stop here (laughs) cody how do you feel about that version i literally watched it like two weeks ago for the first time and jessica beale love her what a star (laughs) it's very much that like 2000s era horror movie where it's like Uh It's like, did you guys know that things are disgusting? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I did. I don't know if that's scary, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just had to ask because this has just been a running thread through (laughs) anytime Nick and I discuss horror movies, how I love the original Texas Chainsaw Mm -hmm. and think it's, oh my God, just one of the scariest movies, how everything happens in the daylight and it's somehow even more terrifying than Mm -hmm. anything else. And it was revealed to me by Nick that the Jessica Biel version is his preferred version, so I had to ask. Saying it like it's the Jessica Biel version as if she's playing Leatherface is really yeah, good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Cody, I just watched it a few weeks ago. I had it on in the background, so I wasn't really watching, but I think with those types of movies and why I loved it, I mean, it didn't hit as hard this time as it had before, but I think just some of the scares and the sound and like the sound effects of like how bloody and gruesome things can be like when they hoist the guy onto the hook and you just like hear the sounds it's awful but yeah the exorcist was very different i kind of had a similar experience the first time i watched it only a few years ago because it was this like 70s we had just gotten rosemary's baby in 69 this slow burn of a horror film and it was just like not what i expected but obviously it's a great film i've on rewatch loved it more and more Before I get to my thoughts on two and three, let's talk about The Exorcist Believer because I'm assuming and what David Gordon Green is doing is that he has this trilogy planned. He already has two and three like general dates set for the future. Also TBD on if he gets the money after how I think poorly this one will do. But I think this one was modeled after the first Exorcist and trying to one-up it by having two girls being exercised at the same time. So what were both of your thoughts on this? Is it a reboot? I think they're kind of doing what they did with his 2018 Halloween, where it's a, just, a, just a sequel to the first one. A requel, as they call it in screen. Whatever, whatever word fits the bill for whatever we saw. Cody, you can go first. <laughs> Nick knows how I feel about David Gordon Green. Uh, so <laughs> as somebody who my favorite horror series is Halloween. It's not the best, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely mine. And it's my mess to appreciate. And so I was going into the 2018 one with pretty high expectations, and they were not met. I don't like the first movie. I think it's kind of boring and pointless and stupid. Um, I weirdly have respect for kills. I think it's at least trying something, even if I'm the only one in America that feels that way. Um, And then Halloween Ends is just best not to talk about it. So going into Exorcist Believer, I was not feeling... (laughs) good about what I was probably about to see and I felt pretty similarly as I did about the first of his Halloween movies where I don't really know I can't find his voice I can't find his purpose for making the film besides to I guess the only thing that he does that's I don't want to say interesting because I don't think it's a good thing but notable is just try to shock the audience play with their expectations in a kind of cheap way Although I did go into Excess Believer being like, this is going to be hot garbage. And I did not hate it as much as I thought it would. I think as a sequel to one of the best horror films of all time, it's embarrassing what they do with Ellen Burstyn in that movie. It should be... Yeah. The Geneva Convention needs to be reconvened. It was so... It's horrible. <laughs> but as a movie on its own, I don't think it's horrible. I think there's some weird messaging, especially later in the movie, to do with some pregnancy stuff I don't want to get into. But yeah. uh, I think that is maybe not ill-intentioned and more just to do with the lack of foresight. And this is a little judgy, but like unintelligence of the filmmaker. <laughs> I think it's just a bit of a misstep rather than something insidious. But that doesn't make it great. 
And it's kind of hard to get over that once that's established in the movie. But overall, not good. Not a good time. I'm kind of happy it's not being received well because I hope they can kind of reconfigure something to do with the rest of the trilogy, if it even gets made at this point. I'm really happy that William Friedkin didn't have to see this, even though I would have loved to hear the commentary. I'm sure it would have been a laugh a minute from him and very direct because I thought this movie was really, really terrible. I went to go see it because I love The Exorcist and I had a morbid curiosity specifically for how Ellen Burstyn was going to come back. And because I think that was why I went to see it, when I experienced what they did to her character, I was angry. (laughs) And, you know, as someone who loves my 70s Hollywood actresses, I was very upset with how they brought her back just to do what they did to her. I know I'm talking circles around it, but it, it honestly kind of reminded me of that terrible Netflix Texas Chainsaw remake where they bring the final girl back to do that. You're like, what are you doing? You're completely undermining the entire entire series. But anyway, I digress. I think that The Exorcist Believer, when it started out, I was optimistic. I thought, okay, there's something in this story that you know might, if I don't compare it to The Exorcist, if I just view it as its own thing, could be at least a little bit fun. I liked the setup of it. It was exactly trying to replicate the Friedkin setup of The Exorcist, where you have this faraway place showing how far Pazuzu's reach is and then making it more local. I thought it was very eerie how the two girls disappear and then just come back and you don't really have any answers. So I felt at first like, okay, maybe it's not going to be a perfect film or good sequel to The Exorcist. But as it kept going, it just continued to go off the rails and feel incredibly pointless to me. It's also called The Exorcist and there isn't an exorcist in the film, which I think is Hmm. quite odd, (laughs) right? It's, (laughs) It's just kind of this interfaith mess. It's not really about a particular character coming in like the original they, is they could have called it and doubt believer which it's very funny how now she's being typecast as this sort of next door neighbor who knows a lot about some sort of odd religion or spirituality <laughs> and conveys that with an immense seriousness i also have to add that Catherine's mother in this movie I couldn't place where I where she was from. She looked very familiar to me. And then I realized that she's Jennifer Nettles of Sugarland. I am not a country music fan at all, <laughs> but I thought that was a very odd choice. <laughs> and just further speaks, I think, to just the lack of focus and cohesion for this film. But what they did to Ellen Burstyn really just, it's why it's one of the worst movies of the year for me. My friend, when that happened, in like the later scenes too, mm-hmm. he turned to me and he was like, "Oh, is this Bird Box now?" <laughs> Not <laughs> Bird Box. <laughs> Not Bird Box. Poor Ellen. I just ended up. I mean, I clapped when she first came on, but then I just kept laughing after the incident. And I don't know. I I did like the first half. I thought it was building really well, even though there were some flaws, but. Like, I laughed really early on with the Port-au-Prince location title because I was like, oh, here we go. He's trying to, like, 
go off the original, but do something different. And I don't know. I didn't love that. And then they kept repeating poor little piggies. And there was this whole like weird foot thing during the movie. But the other thing that worries me is Leslie Odom Jr.'s character. He's a photographer and he's capturing this family. And at one point, like the power surges and everyone's face in the picture is blurred except for the little boy who looks like the boy from the omen and i'm like is he going mm-hmm. to remake the omen as well no we can't we can't do this again <laughs> you know we can't do that again <laughs> I'm like what is happening and then that didn't come back at all that's why i'm like no <laughs> was that like a foreshadowing a little easter egg but ugh, just so much mess going on they all take their shoes off to come in not explained except for like the one guy who doesn't is like tricked it's by you shouldn't wear your shoes in the house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like barefoot during the ceremony i'm like what kind of i don't know what hot mess is happening like who is controlling the situation everyone's trying to do their own ritual and i was very confused and like the one lady who does the smoke thing was very cool but then that ends there's no finality to that except for Anne Dowd, who now has to carry out this exorcism, which doesn't happen. It was very bizarre. But she does, like, know how to do CPR. Like, good for her. <laughs> it's it's very funny when you think about Catholicism in the original Exorcist and Catholicism in The Exorcist Believer. Because this movie really is sort of an interfaith mess i would say but the priest who's in the car i did laugh very hard when leslie Odom jr's character victor goes out to the car and the priest is praying the rosary there and he's like bites inside (laughs) what is this movie what is this script and just to talk about ellen burston for a second i know we're not going to spoil what exactly happens to her but number one why is a little 90 year old woman going upstairs by herself with this demon girl who is not restrained to a bed or anything. She's completely unprotected. And then after this incident happens, which is so absurd, the fact that Chris McNeil is just like, you know what? It's fine. It's okay. We're in this together. We're parents. We're connected. This happened to our girls. I'm okay that I now have been seriously maimed and can no longer carry on with my life in the same way that I did before. Yeah, it kind of feels like they had something planned for Ellen Burson beyond mm-hmm. what they actually did. And then for one reason or another, it just didn't happen. We've all seen why she did the movie to you know, create this yeah. scholarship fund at Pace University because she otherwise did not do any other Exorcist sequels <laughs> or prequels. So I guess in that sense, I'm I'm happy that she was there, even though I think it is a mm-hmm. total waste of everybody's time, including ours in the audience. That's a good point. I'm happy that she got her checks <laughs> and was able to do that. That's the one silver lining, I would say. I will say my friends enjoyed the movie. So I guess there is some part of the audience that had a good time. I don't know. I was too removed to say I enjoyed it. But I did laugh a lot, so it was like a happy experience in a way, if you want to spin it. (laughs) I did think Catherine's siblings were really funny. Like those kids that didn't really care what was going on. They were kind of just aloof to the whole thing. Or like when she walks into the church. They were acting like she's done shit like this before. Yeah. She goes again. (laughs) So I feel like we should move on to 
the real real meat of this episode, the sequels. But I think it's safe to say that none of us recommend The Exorcist Believer. If you're a completionist, check it out. Go for it. But can't make any promises that you will enjoy it and not be on the verge of sleep like I was near the end of the movie. Just go in with low expectations, not expecting the original, and I think you might find it okay. Cody, any words of wisdom? I feel exactly the same way. Go in on like a Thursday afternoon, like I did, thinking it's going to be a horrible time. Bring some friends, and you're not going to have a great time, but it's there's worse ways to spend two hours in your day, I suppose. I don't know. That sounds very dreary, but I guess we have to prepare for the oncoming trilogy so consider it homework Mm -hmm. that was a preview of our patreon episode where we continue to discuss the original exorcist trilogy so definitely check that out on patreon.com slash oscar wilde thank you all for listening we'll see you next time Mm -hmm.